The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey guys, it's Mark Striegel, and you are listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. We are doing something really cool today. We are talking with the people who support me on Patreon about one of our favorite albums. It's called Blizzard of Oz by Ozzy Osbourne. And man, just uh, to this day, it has such a warm place in my heart. It is such an important piece of art in my life. And what I did was did a little poll on Patreon and everyone who supports me on Patreon could vote. There were four albums that I love, and I put those out there, and everyone voted, and Blizzard of Oz won. So we're going to get into the discussion with the people who support me on Patreon. Now, we have 51 supporters on Patreon. Not everyone joined in on this uh, this chat, but... A handful of them did, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It's a long discussion. I will tell you, it was recorded in two separate calls. So if I start repeating myself, like talking about Randy Rhodes, you know, doing this or that, and I say it twice in the conversation, I'm not suffering from dementia, not yet, but it's because it was literally two different meetings. So I'm. I don't think I repeat myself too much, but I, I, there might be once or twice where I say that same thing twice at two separate points i tried to edit it so it seems flawless but but it's uh it's you know behind the scenes peak for you guys is that it was recorded in two separate zoom calls so that's that and uh i'd love to have you guys support me you folks out there who are not supporters on patreon join me for five dollars a month i will mail you out a talking metal t-shirt you'll have the opportunity to participate in zoom calls like this or even just one-on-ones i spoke with glenn watson recently on uh he's a he's a supporter on patreon and we just did a one-on-one for like 20 minutes it was awesome talking about rock and stuff and i'm more than willing to do that with anyone who supports me on Patreon, especially the $5 a month and up uh, tiers on Patreon. I am happy to do that for those people. But uh, yeah, man, so for $5 a month, lots of stuff. You get the Talking Metal t-shirt mailed anywhere in the world. You get a bonus podcast every week. You get even additional bonus podcasts that Victor puts together um, every other week. So there's lots of great discussion and polls. I'd love to have you join me on Patreon. So without further ado, let's uh, let's just give a big shout out, a general shout out to everyone on Patreon. I'm not going to go through the laundry list today, but I do want to mention the stars of this show. Obviously, I'm kind of the host and I probably talk more than anyone else, but joining me are some great guys, people who support me and men, their support means so much to me. Of course, Victor Ruiz is on the call with us. Victor does a lot of work with me on Patreon, actually. Great guy. He has his own show called Mars Attacks. We also got Metal Dan. We got Seth. Seth B. out in Kansas. We got Ed. Ed Ferguson from Kentucky, right, Ed? Ed's a great guy. Been a long time. A friend of the show. We got Johan over in Sweden. We got Brad out in Utah, Brad Dahl. And we got Jerry from Long Island. Jerry, good to hear from Jerry. I think that's it. I hope I'm not forgetting anyone. So small group kind of gathering here to talk about one of our favorite records. We're going to do another one of these real soon. And we uh, hope you come and join us. 
on Patreon and participate in the show behind the scenes and I guess on the scenes, in front of the scenes right here today on this uh, great discussion about Blizzard of Oz with my good friends and supporters from Patreon. All right, let's get into a discussion on one of my favorite albums. Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and we are here today discussing an album that we voted on on the Patreon page. Basically, what we did is we threw up some some records and uh, some, I still call them records, some albums. We There was four albums up there on the Patreon page. I should probably pull that up so everyone knows what we were voting on. And the kind of agreement was that once we came up with a winner, we would allow the people who support me on Patreon to come on a Zoom call with me and discuss the album. So there are two Zoom calls happening and we'll be kind of hopefully editing them together flawlessly. So it sounds like we're all together at the same time, but because of the different time zones, I wanted to have some different options as far as time of the day goes for us to get together. So the question I sent out there to the people on Patreon, where we have 51 supporters, we had 22 of you guys vote on this, was which record should we discuss on our next Zoom call? And the choices were Blizzard of Oz by Ozzy Osbourne, Ride the Lightning by Metallica, Power and the Glory by Saxon, and Sound of White Noise by Anthrax. So we had 11 votes for Blizzard, Five for Ride the Lightning, three for Power and the Glory, and three for Sound of White Noise. So here we are discussing Blizzard of Oz. And let's start. We're going to go over to Sweden where Johan is standing by. Johan, am I doing a better job at pronouncing your last name? Erdstrom. It's, or, uh, it's, it's okay. Still, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Say yeah, it for me. Erdstrom. You know, the Swedish uh, O with the two dots over, it's Ö. Er. Yeah, so er. In Swedish, I say Erdstrom. Erdstrom. But you don't have to do that. Okay. It's hard. <laughs> okay. It's hard. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we know you You had, uh, I don't know, can I, can I mention on air that you had been under the weather and, and we were uh, just talking about that before we started recording. You're feeling a little bit better, but still not 100%, right? I feel 100% uh, when I work and I, uh, in my everyday life, but uh, I, I tried to run the other day and uh, I had to stop at 800 meters because my I couldn't do anymore. Right I was on. tired in my whole body. So that's uh, that's COVID. Yeah. Well, we wish you the best of luck with that. And we hope you're back to 100% soon. I hope I get over there to Sweden and taste one of your meals at some point. I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious about this, man. I, I really have a desire to travel to Sweden. I've never been there. And you guys have such good music over there. I just got to get over there. And it sounds like we have good food over there from you too. As you explained to us last time, you have won some awards working with the Olympics, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've competed in the Olympics 2016. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome, awesome, cool. Well, let's get to the rock talk right now because we have some other people oh. here too. Johan, the Blizzard of Oz album by Ozzy Osbourne for me was kind of a game changer, and I'll just share a few quick thoughts and then I'll let you talk. But to me, 1980 when it came out was a time when the tides were changing, styles were changing not just fashion styles, but, you know, political styles and, and music styles. And to me, what Ozzy did with this, now we have to remember Ozzy had toured with Van Halen on one of those final Sabbath tours for Never Say Die. He had become really friendly with the Van Halen guys, including even taking David Lee Roth home to meet his parents. And they were kind of cocaine buddies from what I understand. And, and he was, I believe, very impressed with him. So when he set out to go solo, I think he was really attracted to that Southern California big rock sound that the Van Halen brothers and David Lee Roth and Michael Anthony had had kind of almost invented, if you will. And so I, I feel like he was really looking for somebody who could 
kind of fill that vein. And I want to break down the album song by song and talk about that. But I, I really believe that that was a big influence because we still do hear Sabbath on this record. Like if you listen to some of the closing tracks, especially uh, to me, they have a very Sabbathy sound uh, to them. But on the flip side, there's other songs that are very Van Halleny, especially a song that a lot of people don't talk about. But when I re-listen to the album today, No Bone Movies to me has Van Halen written all over it. I think that could have been a Van Halen song. But then there's other songs, you know, Crazy Train, where we also hear to me a very much a Van Halen influence. But like on Revelation, uh, Steal Away. To me, I hear Sabbath, not necessarily the big doom Sabbath, but I hear like Sabbath, bloody Sabbath, the more produced, produced Sabbath. So to me, Ozzy really accomplished, you know, bringing some of that Sabbath doom and gloom to the California party vibe sound that Van Halen had and, and successively kind of combined the two with this record moving forward really into a new musical landscape that really hadn't been... Uh, visited yet in my opinion it was a groundbreaking record but let's uh, let's break it down what album did you vote for johan out of the four that we had up there oh i don't uh, i don't remember the ride lightning ride lightning ride the lightning right okay yeah. a very amazing record too one of my all-time yeah. favorites all uh, records that you uh, put up were uh, are amazing right uh, and the most interesting one would have been to talk about power and the glory yeah, that would have been a great one to talk about. We have some other people joining on the Zoom call as we're talking here, which we will get to everyone. But Johan, how how do you feel about Blizzard of Oz? Is it a big album in your life? Is Do you have a big emotional connection to it? What are your thoughts on that record? My first contact with Blizzard of Oz was in around 1984 because I'm born in 72, so I was a little bit too young when it was released. And Sweden was kind of like East Germany back then. So records uh, didn't come here as fast, probably, oh, okay. as in the US, I guess. But there was a bootleg tape who was floating around in my village. Uh, from, um, And it was, it was supposed to be Randy Rhodes' last concert. And that was the first time I heard wow. uh, the songs. And we all copied, you know, cassette to cassette. I later found out that it was Brad Gillis who played guitar on that. Wow, tape. okay. Yeah. Right, right. You know, I think that, I don't know, is the best opening song, one of the best opening songs ever made live for a concert. Whenever Ozzy goes on stage with I don't know, it's, I think it's a perfect opener. Absolutely. The album is a classic for me. 10 out of 10, of course. I have a hard time listening to it nowadays because uh, we have these rock channels on the radio and they play Crazy Train and they play all those songs over and over again. So it's, it's overplayed. Hard to listen to. Yeah, yeah, it's really overplayed. But Diary of a Madman isn't that overplayed. So I think that is a still a more interesting record for me. Uh, as uh, Mr. Crowley, the solo in Mr. Crowley was also a, a big thing here in Sweden among the musicians. They all talked about the outro solo of Mr. Crowley. Was it the same for you guys? Oh, yeah. And Mr. Crowley to me was was major. The, the melodic guitar playing on that for sure. I, I mean, even the, the keyboards, which uh, were, who was that? It was Don Airy, right? I mean, such a unique... Yeah sound and man it was funny when i saw deep purple play a couple of years ago don airy did a keyboard solo and he like almost played mr crowley he got had that exact sound during the solo and it was like he was hinting at it but he didn't quite go there and it made me wonder if he didn't want to get involved in like copyright problems or something but that keyboard sound is such a distinct incredible sound to open side two of the record and uh yeah man so 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 good and again yeah. I, I just i really really think that van halen's influence on this record was was big i mean as well as sabbath you know people say well he took a big step away from sabbath with this sound but again i i i challenge anybody to listen to revelation mother earth uh even into steal away the night i mean especially revelation mother earth to me has very much sabbath sounds going on there that um 
you know, take me back, not necessarily to the Paranoid record, but more to Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. So such a such an amazing record. And again, I, I think I, I think those final three songs for me, No Bone Movies, Revelation, Mother Earth and Steal Away the Night are the ones I can listen to today and still truly enjoy because like you johan i'm a little fried like if i see ozzy in, in concert i love hearing crazy train but if i hear it on the radio it's like it's so ingrained in me in this yeah. point like I, I it's i don't know you know it's it's sometimes it's it's hard and it's it's uh strange to say that but it's hard to hear it yet one more time because i've been listening to it since the album came out like when i was 11 years old or something but great stuff johan we appreciate your support on patreon I, yeah, go ahead. A question, question. Yeah, uh, now I have so many wise guys on the on the Zoom call. Who who wrote the song on wrote the songs on uh, on the album? Is it Ozzy alone? Ozzy with Randy Rhodes? Who wrote those? It, it's credited. It's credited to Ozzy Osbourne, Randy Rhodes, and Bob Daisley. With the exception of the song I mentioned earlier, which to me is such an amazing song, No Bone Movies. And Lee Kereslik has a songwriting credit on that, too. Um, so, so it does appear that it's the three main songwriters. And I listen, I, I will stand up for Ozzy Osbourne because... Bob Daisley, I think, gets a lot of credit. And I, I, listen, he is he deserves credit. But when I spoke to Jakey Lee, he made it sound like Daisley helped with the lyrics. But, you know, musically, he was like, oh, let's rearrange this section. Let's see. He was more like an arranger, according to the way Jakey Lee described it. And I, I always get ticked when he you know, seems to want to take credit for everything that Ozzy ever did. Because Ozzy, it's, it, to me, it's his voice and those melodies, which were his, yeah. he wrote those, that really helped yeah. sell that music along with Randy Rhodes. But I don't take anything away from Bob Daisley. He is listed as one of the main songwriters on the record. And definitely you got to have respect for that guy because he is definitely a powerful part of the team that made mm. this album so, so good. Let's move on, give some other people a chance to talk. Victor, how are you, man? Can you hear me, Victor? Um, oh. Yeah, sorry. I was unmuting myself. Um, I'm doing good. Um, cool, man. Cool to hear from uh, Johan there. A lot of cool points that you brought up, Mark. Um, yeah, let's, let's hear some from you. Let's talk about... First, let's start out with how does this album weigh emotionally for you? Is it, cause for me, it's, it's almost a spiritual experience when I, when I listen to it, even though some of those songs are so played out, it just means so much to me on an emotional level because I grew up for it with it. And when, when I was down and out and getting picked on in, in seventh grade, you know, I'd come home and listen to that record and it took me away to another place it, it made me feel sure. like i was a part of something bigger than the you know the bullies at, at school uh, the, i don't know so so for me there's just just deep emotional connection to it you know uh, when i hear the song d by randy rhodes you know the acoustic song instrumental that he has on there i almost get welled up at times i mean it's so to me that it's such a strong emotional connection to this stuff and you know, it goes, it almost goes beyond the music kind of it's, mm -hmm. it's just ingrained in who I am. How, how, how does this album relate to you on an emotional level? And are there any things about the record you'd like to discuss or mention? Yeah, th this album to me is huge. It's, um, I was reworking the Mars Attacks website and episode 120 of Mars Attacks just focuses on this album because I think it's so important in the overall landscape of uh, hard rock and metal. It was the world's, uh, okay, you could say that the Japanese Quiet Riot albums introduced the world, you know, part of the world to Randy Rhodes, but really Blizzard is the album that did that for the in the grand scheme of things. I remember being a kid and hearing Crazy Train for the first time and being like, holy crap, what's this? You know, it was just the whole intro and, and even to Johan's uh, point, the intro to something like, I don't know, was just like so mystical the way that it just fades in um, with Crazy Train. It was, to me, that was a big deal. And, and I'll honestly say that because of how old I was when the album came out, Tribute is the album that where I first got to listen to a lot of these tracks. 
Um, and then I went back, got the, the, the studio album. And obviously that's played a huge part in my, you know, the, the soundtrack of my life since then. And the same as what you and Johan have mentioned. Some of these songs are so played out that, you know, sure, I love listening to them once or twice a year. But after that, you know, I can't. I've just heard them so much. But um, to your point, you bring up the whole California sound. If you really think about it, once everything went down with Lee and with Bob, think about his bands. He brings in Rudy Sarzo. He brings in Tommy Aldridge. So essentially, his entire band is based out of California. You know, so he was definitely going for something in that vein. And, and even further to further that along, once Randy passes away and he records Bark at the Moon, he brings in Jakey Lee. So that's, you know, obviously Ozzy was trying to mix his Sabbath background with other stuff that was that was going on. Him and, and Sharon were were smart to that, you know, and, and Ozzy maintained We've talked about this a bunch. Ozzy maintained his popularity while Sabbath really didn't after Dio left. And you could argue after Ian Gillen left. So, yeah, you could argue. I And there's no disrespect here towards Ronnie James Dio, who is yeah. the god and absolutely amazing. But the reality of things are that, listen, Heaven and Hell, Mob, Mob Rules, amazing, amazing records. Mob Rules. I just love those records. But... They were not at the level that they were six years previous or four, right. even four years previous with with Ozzy. I mean, they, they never regained that ground that they lost. Um, and, and now those records are considered absolute classics and masterpieces. But they 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 really struggled bringing people to shows in the States and I don't know about Europe, but they, they weren't accepted by a lot of people mm. quite, quite as much as Ozzy was. I mean, Ozzy was all over the the rock radio, especially in the Midwest and, mm. you know, in, in the suburbs of New York and the working class towns, Ozzy was just blowing up. I mean, I remember as a kid, I don't know, crazy train, goodbye to romance, suicide solution, Mr. Crowley, all on the radio, all on the radio being played. And, and that is crazy for a rock record. You know, I mean, he had so much to prove. He'd been essentially fired from black Sabbath. The record label wasn't even behind him. You know, they, right. they, they thought he was a joke. The seventies were, were over, you know, bell bottoms and doom riffs were not cool anymore. So he, he not only won the fans over made new fans who were never into black Sabbath, but brought some of the Sabbath fans along with him, but he won over the, the industry really. I mean, it's, it's quite impressive in my opinion. Yeah. The, the last thing that I wanted to touch upon is I remember years ago reading in a guitar magazine where revelation mother earth may have been the catalyst for the whole thrash metal move. Uh, that whole movement, because if you think about it, think back to songs like Battery uh, by Metallica, how it has that acoustic intro and then it comes into the, you know, the full blown bombastic part of the song. Revelation Mother Earth has that whole like acoustic beginning to it. And then you get to that solo and it kind of takes off and it really continues into Steal Away. But I remember reading an article and I don't remember because it was so long ago where they credited that song for being a huge influence on a lot of the thrash bands taking, you know, that acoustic intro to kind of build a song up and then finally give you that kick in the ass when the, you know, the amps finally get turned on. So it could I be found that to be interesting. Yeah, it could be. I, I know to me, it was the ride, the lightning record, which we mentioned earlier that really, um, put out that blueprint for so many like thrash and, and heavy metal records yeah. to follow where it started with that, uh, you know, mellow acoustic esque, at least intro into fight fire with fire, but that's a different album. We are talking about blizzard of Oz today. A couple quick points tribute 
was the record that you mentioned. I know Johan mentioned uh, a live bootleg tape. My problem with Tribute was this, and is and I do I do love that record. I think it's a good record, but the tempos are too fast on some of those songs that to me they lose the potency and the groove that they had on on Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman. I really felt like the tempos were just a little out, out of control on that record. Live After Death by Iron Maiden, I believe suffers a, a another suffers a similar fate. It just just for me personally. And you mentioned Randy Rhodes pre Ozzy Osbourne. And I've had people send me links and say, see, Randy was really great. But, you know, in 1979 here with or 1977 here with Quiet Riot. But the thing is, he was good, but something happened to Randy between 1978 and 1980. And he, in my opinion, grew tremendously as a player. And I can't help but think that that was the influence of Van Halen. Uh, exploding onto the scene and everyone had to step it up. And yeah. I believe it was probably Randy too. And just one more thought, and then we will get to Jerry from Long Island and, and we got Brad from Utah on the line. Um, what was my other thought? Uh, oh, I think I lost it. Oh, Matt, and big shout out to Max Norman who produced this record. And I was going to say something else and it slipped my mind. So let's go to Brad out there in Utah, Yarg, Radio. How are you, man? Pretty good, guys. Um, I'm at 15. Early, yeah, it's uh, 9 30 out there, man. 10 10 30. Oh, 10 30. Oh, okay. You aren't on the you aren't on LA time. Um, part of me is, but no, the, no, oh, the okay. The it's worth mountain, mountain time. Mountain this time. Is, okay, this is the mountains here, right? Okay, yeah, hey, My mistake. hey, 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 Johan, good to see you. And uh, Jerry, can't see you, but the glad you're there, and of course, Victor. Um, and Mark, thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. Thanks for your support. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let me just tell you about this album real quick. Uh, you know, when, when Sabbath, when Ozzy left Sabbath, uh, as a huge Sabbath fan, it's like, okay, what's going to happen? Of course, the Black Sabbath album came out first with Dio. And I got to say that when that album came out, I was, I liked it, but I wasn't in love with it. Uh, when this album came out, which was almost not, I don't know, like six, seven months later, I remember going and buying it and uh, took it home, immediately put it on cassette because that's what we did back then. Uh, you can't listen to a record in your car. And so I listened to, yeah, that's where I listened to all my music was in my car. So, so you that. bought the record and then you dubbed it to cassette? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I, and I will say this, those Max Cell type two cassettes, man, they were 90 minutes and yeah. this album was, you know, the original version before they added the bonus tracks and all that shit, it was under 40 minutes. So you could fit it on one side of a Maxell type two tape, which is what I always did. Yeah. That's a uh, Maxell was uh, that's exactly what I went for as well. I, type I two, I hope not type one. Cause they didn't sound um, as good. I don't, it was gold. I remember that. Yeah. The type two. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, that, that was a long time ago, dude. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. When I first put the record on and I, I, I I was such a musical snob back then. I, I would rarely record like a whole album. I would go through and I would edit out songs I didn't like and just only record the ones I liked. And even sometimes I would cut out parts of a song, which is pretty fun. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, but this one, I, I'm pretty sure I cut out Goodbye to Romance. <laughs> But, uh, I, I mean, I could see that as a young kid, you know, wanted wanted to get like knocked on your ass every time with with heaviness. But I will say that goodbye to romance. I mean, nowadays I listen to that; it's just so well crafted, man. What a great, you know, yeah, written. No, song. I get, I get that. I get that. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good song, but it wasn't what I wanted to hear. You're right. I wanted to rock, you know. So when you drop the needle on there and you hear the big and a yeah it's like holy crap what is this and you know i'm gonna go against you on this mark you said it was very sabbathy i really didn't hear a lot of sabbath in this album what i heard was something that i i feel like was totally new and different and i'm gonna give credit to randy rhodes for all that and i'm gonna say this is probably one of the top albums in rock history uh mostly because of randy rhodes and the influence he's had i mean since then most guitar players that I've played with, uh, they cite Randy Rhodes as their number one influence. And that's, you know, you can't argue, can't argue with that. 
and uh, yeah, he hit, yeah, he was just huge, but he, and I believe he wrote most of that album, wrote the riffs anyway. Um, Yeah, we can, we can argue about what Ozzy's input was to the whole thing. Uh, I got to give Bob Daisley credit for the lyrics because it really sounds like he's speaking for Ozzy there. Uh, I don't know. That sounds like exactly what you would think Ozzy would be saying. He probably still doesn't know. And, but, uh, (laughs) right. right. But great stuff. I mean, suicide solution, uh, revelation mother earth. You have a great, just incredible. I thought the lyrics are fantastic. Crazy train as overplayed as it is. Uh, the lyrics are, uh, total Ozzy. Uh, if, if Ozzy could write lyrics, I think he would. Well, yeah, and I will I will stop you a little bit there because the way I understand it is, and there's been some confirmation on this. I mean, Ozzy did write lyrics. I mean, but he had dyslexia. It, it, lyrics were tough, but he wrote the lyrics to, you know, the song Black Sabbath. He wrote the lyrics to the, yeah, absolutely. He wrote the lyrics to the song Black Sabbath as, as Geezer. He, he did, you know, and he wrote the lyrics to, uh, like what's a, I'm insane. Uh, am I going insane? I mean, that was him. There was another, there's, uh, there's numerous Sabbath songs that he, he wrote the lyrics almost 100% with his solo career. He would be like, yeah, wine is fine, but whiskey's quicker, you know, suicide is slow with liquor. You know, I got this song. It's about Bon Scott, suicide solution, Bob, help me finish these lyrics and write these lyrics. And that was, uh, the way I got it, he came up with the subject matter in possibly the title and sometimes even some of the lyrics and, and Daisley would complete the lyrics. And, and I think that plays into what you're saying because they were very Aussie, you know, the, the, all the lyrics, they were, they were, had his flavor to them. So, but yeah, we cannot take away from Bob Daisley's uh, input, but yeah, absolutely. And, and, just real quick, and then I want to get to get back to you, Brad, and then jump over to Jerry. The Sabbath sounds that I hear, it's the kind of the dark vibe that Sabbath had. Um, you know, I, I believe he brought some of that with him to this record, but it definitely wasn't the sound of the Paranoid record. It wasn't War Pigs or Iron Man, but I do believe that there was some of that sad, like if you listen to never say die the album to me, that was a bridge, man. That was a bridge from what Sabbath had been doing to what Ozzy ended up doing. There, there's some real commercial sounding songs on that record. Um, Beatlesque melodies on never say die, you know, and, and, and I even could go back to Sabbath, bloody Sabbath, which was more of orchestrated. I mean, Rick Wakeman was playing some piano on there. There were studio musicians brought in to do different things, you know, like strings and stuff here and there. And I, I do believe some of that transfers over to what he did on this record and maybe even more so what he did on, on diary of a madman, but let's jump over to our, our main man, Jerry, Jerry, how are you, man? Good. How you doing, Mark? Good. Wow. What a clean, clear connection, man. Sounds like you're uh, on a, what are, you, what are you on, man? You got a high quality mic there? iPhone 12. Oh, oh, the 12. Nice. Nice. I got a 12 too. Cool, man. How you been? All right. I've been great. How are you? Oh, I'm awesome. I'm awesome. And I know you are a rocker for all your life. Let's talk about this record. Blizzard of Oz. First memories of hearing it. Are you a fan of it, Jerry? Oh my, are you kidding me? As soon as I <laughs> a little heard, bit, as as, yeah. As soon as I heard it, I was like, "What the? F-? I mean, Cr- Crowley's ridiculous." Yeah. Just, I mean, the, the guitar tones. I mean, that that whole era, I guess, from '78 to '80, y- you can compare Shanker's tone to Van Halen's tone to Randy Rhodes's tone. So they, they're all similar to me. That is a good point because you do hear I I hear some of that tone and I don't know if it's the Marshall tubes and the amp or what or what but Shanker I mean everyone says well Randy Rhodes he was like the next guy who picked up what Van Halen was doing to me he was you know as far as guitar heroes go he was kind of the the next guy after Van Halen and then of course we got the Lynches and the Martinis and all these other guys but yeah I hear I hear that there is some 
Shanker in in Rhodes is playing for sure. I, I hear that too, and I haven't heard anybody else say that. So that's definitely a good observation. Do you remember hearing like the songs for the first time? Do you have a memory of that, Jerry? Yes, I do. Was on it on w- the radio or? Yeah, B A B. B A B. Where was that? Point Long three. Island. Yeah. Very very cool. And then I mean, did you go we- buy the record? Absolutely. That the, the album cover is just ridiculous. How, how do you not buy it after seeing that cover? And were you in school at this time? Like, yeah, high school. Yeah. And what was the reaction from people at high at your high school? Was it a, a big album among the, the people yeah, at the all, high school or was it more like the the a certain group of all, the high no, school? All, Ever, all, the yeah. jo- all the jocks were listening to it. All, uh, all uh, the greasers were, drink- were listening to it. I mean, it. it, it we played it before every hockey when I was growing up, you know, crazy train. Yeah. I mean, how's that not get you fired up? So you were a hockey player in high school. Oh. Yeah. I'm still a hockey player. Right on. Right on. And you were at, you were at the, weren't you at a, what game were you at the other night? I saw something on Instagram. What was uh, this? It was uh, game three Bruins and Islanders. Right. Game four, game four tonight. And I'll be there again. Nice, nice, cool. By the way, my friend totally random. My friend got a job with the the NHL, and he's he was at the game too, uh, working as a camera NHL, guy. I NHL, think. yeah. Uh, I thought it was NHL Network. Yes, yep, yep. Over there, over there in Jersey. That's where I sent you to yeah. go get a job. Yes, yeah, caucus. <laughs> yeah, right. it, it, I, I applied there, but uh, I actually it, applied a, a couple through a couple different people. I didn't get the, the job. M- the MLB Network is there too. Yes, correct. Correct. Cool. And Jerry, just random outside of the Aussie talk. I know we go to a lot of concerts and we've seen you at some, at some shows. Do you, do you have any tickets coming up? Have you bought anything looking forward to any shows? Alice Cooper here in Farmingville, which is about 10 minute walk from my house awesome. and, and Genesis at the new Belmont arena. Really? Wow. So this is Genesis yeah. with Phil Collins back in the band. Correct. And here's wow. the strange thing. Tickets for that concert went on sale, had to be a week before this whole lockdown, unlockdown thing right. went down. So somebody in that Genesis camp knew what was about to happen because the tickets were on sale a week before we were all up, you know, doing things. So I right. jumped on it. Right on. Man, I want to see Genesis. It's a good good tip. I got to look into that. I just bought, bought Megadeth tickets yeah. yesterday, so I'm excited for that. Come on. You... You and Emily, come on out to Belmont, brand new arena. Really? Wow. Well, it's tempting. It's tempting because we're we're definitely both ready to yeah. catch some shows, and we both love Genesis. So good tip, man. And how many times have you seen Ozzy in concert, so Jerry? It for him with Motley Crue. I, I don't know, ten. Ten. Nice. I need Maiden to hit the road. Come on out to Brooklyn. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely cool. Brad, did you have anything else you wanted to say? I felt like maybe we cut you short. Oh, that's fine, man. Um, yeah, I just want to say, I think Ozzy also adopted a bit of a different singing uh, style with uh, his solo stuff uh, as compared to in Black Sabbath. And and so it went on from there. But th- again, I'll just state this is just one of the greatest albums in the history of rock. And uh, it's it stands alone. But I'm going to give Randy Rhodes most of the credit for that. Uh, so there you go. I agree. Right, right on. Right on. And Victor, Johan. Now you go, Victor. Uh, the only thing that I wanted to add is that uh, years ago before Chris Sangarides died, he actually sent me a quote about this album. Uh, he was the original producer on the album, but due to an ear infection, he couldn't complete the project. Any summary you can do of it? Because we probably... Um, Okay, so basically he says that when he showed up, David Arden gave him the position he showed up, and Ozzy had no idea that he was supposed to be producing the album. Uh, once they hashed things out, they went full on with the with the album. And afterwards, um, he says that, uh, that he met up with Randy at a Gary Moore gig, and on the way to the party, Randy Rhodes told him that he felt that the sound of the album sucked. Um, he said he wasn't happy with how it turned out after I left. It made me feel that he appreciated my efforts, but ultimately it just goes to show you that you can't hold back great songs, even with fairly average production. <laughs> All right. Well, 
teach his own. I, I it's it's hard to quote a dead man, but you know, um, <laughs> the thing is, I, I I think the production is is stellar. I mean, I just listened to it today uh, on my my AirPods. I think everything is so clear and and just in your face. But yeah, uh, I'm gonna jump over to Metal Dan out in California, our longest running patron. Dan, thank you for your support, man. I mean, you've been doing this longer than anybody, and I can't thank you enough for supporting me month after month after month. And I'm so glad you're here talking Blizzard of Oz with us. How are you, man? I'm doing great. And I'm about um, a computer help away from getting my wife to also join you on Patreon to just try to get the $100. I mean, 100 users. 100 users. Cool. Well, we're at 51. So we got a ways to go. But I, I appreciate that, Metal Dan. And let's talk about where you're sitting, first of all. I love the Iron Maiden stuff in the back. Maiden, obviously a big band, Overkill. Out of those four records, which one did you vote for? Did you vote for Blizzard of Oz, Metal Dan? I didn't vote. I let it, you didn't vote. Be, up to, I let it be up to the people. That was a hard choice, especially since you threw in Saxon. That was like, where'd that come from? That's just an album I love. And a lot of people will tell you, oh, well, with Saxon, it's denim and leather, or it's earlier Saxon. But to me, with that record, they kind of took more of a a step forward into the 80s metal territory, less kind of stepping out of the 70s. And it was a little more produced, a little more slick. I love those songs. I love that record. And, and uh, you know, I saw them shortly after that record came out in in concert and maybe that has something to do with it but that just has a, a really important place in my heart power and the glory but yeah so that's kind of where that came from but let's talk blizzard of oz when do you remember hearing blizzard of oz are you a fan of the record let's let's hear from metal dan on blizzard of oz yeah huge fan of uh blizzard of oz i was young i was probably in junior high school and that was right up before the us festival which was in my area uh, out in devore california which is about 50 miles less so so away which i've been to many times not the us festival but those grounds those hollowed grounds i've been there many times i've been at an oz fest over there and had to wait over two hours three hours to get out of the parking lot that's my wow. memory if yeah um, I've got this huge box set uh, uh, from that, wow. that Ozzy put out. Yeah, the Diary yeah. and the Blizzard. Right. It's really cool. It's got a great picture book and all that. Uh, my memory is, uh, once again, just like my last time I called in, KMET playing the hell out of um, Over the Mountain or, uh, you know, everything from, from that, yeah, Crazy Train. And I don't know, not Over the Mountain. Um, just hearing that all the time those two albums go together so well so it's it's almost like a you know a double album right it really is and they were recorded very close together of course the band that recorded them wasn't the band that toured post diary at, at least and uh yeah and even the the band that was originally pictured on the diary of the madman record wasn't the band that actually played on it because we had rudy sarzo and tommy aldridge having their picture on the inner sleeve if you remember back in the day as a kid totally believed that that's who the members were and i didn't know who bob daisley and uh kirksley is but i have a question for you i mean one of the standout tracks for me is steal away um, the bass playing by Bob is just krill, it's just killer. If if you give somehow an experiment and you give this as me being a bass player as well, you give that song to another bass player, would they come up with the same lines that Bob came up with? I, I would say so. probably not. Yeah, I would say yeah. probably not. It's just crazy. It's so good. And uh, since my time is limited, my other question to you, since you met Ozzy, and I'm a big uh, what uh, I hear that Ozzy smells really good. What does Ozzy <laughs> right. smell? What does Ozzy smell like? You know, I'd have to bring my wife down here. Maybe we can get her to come down and answer that question for you. I, Let me. The, the rumor I have is it's a tobacco like cologne, but they won't give out exactly what he uses. Hmm. Yeah. It. it it is, uh, I, I, that I don't know, uh, but I do know that in, I believe it's his book that he talks about, you know, growing up with no money and, and just being so poor. And I think the family like had an outhouse. They didn't even have like a toilet in the house and just him 
always feeling dirty and smelly and being made fun of for not smelling nice. And as soon as he got some money, that was, yeah, he was like, he was like, really got kind of obsessed with smelling good and being clean all the time. So I, I again, Emily would be able to tell you what he smelled like. Cause he, he really, she always brings that up, but yeah, he, he definitely comes in the room and you know, there's sometimes when somebody comes in the room and you're like, Oh, they got too much cologne on. It's close to that, but not quite there because he does smell good and, and, and pleasant. And it doesn't really, you don't really cringe when you, when you smell him, you know? Uh, but yeah, gr- great smelling guy <laughs> for sure. But yeah, man, so many good songs on the record. I I'm with you with steal away the night. I can't listen to that. Like those last two songs, Revelation, Mother Earth, and Steal Away the Night. I love the way they flow together. I can't listen to them separate. To me, you have to listen to those two songs together. Uh, it's such an incredible ending for the record. I mean, his first three solo records just had these epic endings, you know, and and, and that right there, wow, is, is just quite an ending. I always point to No Bone movies too as being the most Van Halen-esque song on the record. It really, if you listen to that, picture David singing that, David Lee Roth, and it 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 sounds like it could be a Van Halen song, probably one of the more overlooked songs on the record because I don't know where you are out there in California, Metal Dan, but I don't know. Crazy Train, Goodbye to Romance, Suicide Solution, Mr. Crowley, where I was living at that time in the the Midwest, um, those were played on the radio, all those songs. I mean, and that's a good big chunk of the record right there. So all those songs getting airplay in in where I live, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I moved there. I didn't, you know, it's weird. I didn't move there until 81, late 81, but it still felt like this was a new record at that time, even though it only came out in 1980. Um, but yeah, thanks. Thank you for sharing those memories. When's the first time you saw Ozzy in concert, Metal Man? Ooh, I think, it, oh, was it Metallica? Yeah, I think it yeah. had to be, yeah, the Me 86. Too. Yeah. So the, um, ultimate sin tour with metallica metallica killed and i went back the next night for long beach because it was like that was the first time seeing metallica it was all about that more than anything wow yeah yeah great memories all right so let's jump over to seth he is in kansas seth how are you man i've seen you many times in the jeff pilson uh, meditation slash yoga class i i I missed a couple weeks and then i I did finally get back this week and i didn't see it but that's isn't that kind of fun to have a little session there with jeff pilson it's always real intimate and stuff yeah, it's a great part of my week, and I, I've missed a couple of weeks and looking forward to getting back to it. Um, I don't know if you were there a recent week. He did his first one on the road, uh, so it's good to know that touring is not going to be the end of our meditation class. I was at the, the first one he did on the road, and then I missed a couple, and then I, I was back last week, which was was good. But yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean... Really, it's a very intimate group. If anyone's interested in joining it, just uh, DM me, reach out. We can hook you up with how to join that that uh, meditation slash yoga group that Jeff Pilson conducts every Monday. So, Seth, in Kansas, where in Kansas are you? Are are you are you near a major city? Are you um, in farm town? Where, where are you? Yeah, I, I live way out in the country. Uh, Wichita's the closest city, but I I live 12 miles from the Oklahoma border. Okay. Okay. So when do you remember hearing this album, Blizzard of Oz? I don't know how old you are, Seth. Were you old enough to remember when it came out? I mean, I I was kind of aware of Crazy Train, but I I grew up in an Air Force family living all over. And um, uh, my entry into hard rock was more 83. So Jakey Lee era Ozzy was my Ozzy. And uh, I'm probably going to lose my metal card for admitting this, but until I knew we were doing this, I had never purchased this album. I just kind of no, thought, I know, right, I know right. all those songs. Yeah. Um, and so it was uh, amazing <clears throat> to really listen to it as a piece. And, you know, particularly uh, D into Suicide Solution into Mr. Crowley is just this amazing one, two, three. 
Right, right. And you have to remember that back in the day, we actually did have to flip that record over or that cassette over <laughs> to get to Mr. Crowley, which was the first song on side two. And uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, the the whole record to me just just moves from from the get go. And you know, it was a short record. It was thirty nine minutes long. You know, and and that's something I think a lot of albums later, like when we got to the CD era, it it did really they did really suffer because I always remember even like bands like the the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I always thought Blood Sugar Sex Magic would have been this epic perfect record, but it was just like. 10, 15 minutes too long. And, and and I feel like in the vinyl days that albums were shorter and, it, you know, it's the golden rule of show business, leave them wanting more, which this record definitely did. I don't like listening to it with the bonus tracks because to me, Steal Away, Mother, Mother Earth, Revelation, Mother Earth, Into Steal Away the Night. I mean, that to me is the ending. You don't want to go into you know, looking at me, looking at you, a B-side single after that, you know, that that's just me. Um, I, I did enjoy listening to some of the like outtakes and stuff that that they did put up, um, like the guitar vocal mix of Goodbye to Romance, which I believe came out in 2010 is definitely an interesting listen if you haven't heard that. But Jakey Lee era, Ozzy, did you did you get to see Ozzy live like like when you were a kid in the 80s? Yeah, sounds like we all saw that Ultimate Sin tour with Metallica opening. Yes, um, yeah. Uh, and I feel like it was a Monday night and my parents didn't necessarily know that I was there. Oh, good for you. Yeah, my parents would have known. They had, they had, uh, they always had to know where I was. But yeah, for me, it was definitely a weekend night. I saw it in the Chicago Pavilion. And it is a night where Jakey Lee fell over on stage and couldn't finish the, the show, which is... Um, which the crowd was not happy about. But let's get back to, to Blizzard of Oz. So the the album itself, when you got into Ozzy in 83, you, you never went back and bought this actual album, but did you get to know the songs from radio? Yeah, from radio and from being on compilations. And um, I, I know we've got a short time. I won't give you too much of it. But I have this kind of grand unified theory of Ozzy that uh, Ozzy has pretty much two personas when he's singing. And one of them is this detached nihilist, like I'm observing the world going to hell and I can't do anything about it. And one is I'm deeply personally involved and I'm singing with commitment and I'm feeling the anguish or I'm feeling the fear. And I think this album has some of both of those things. And I think part of what makes Crazy Train such an amazing song is that he has both of those personas in the same song. Right on, right on. And I mean, that's kind of getting back to what I was hinting at earlier, where there was this kind of party vibe thing going on there, which I feel was definitely influenced by what he saw Van Halen do on the Never Say Die tour. And and I mean, listen, he went to Southern California to get Randy, you know, the rest of the band was, was you know, the band that were played on these records diary and blizzard they were they weren't california guys but you know by the time diary was released the album had all americans in it i think all californians actually because we had rudy stepping in to, for the tour and and the, the live albums and stuff and uh, of course he was southern california randy rhodes's friend and Tommy Aldridge, I, I'm not sure where Tommy is, but from, I'd have to look that up. But anyways, it was an American band. Oh, Mississippi, born in Mississippi. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. So he ended up with this all American band. And uh, yeah, so R Randy Rhodes too, to me, you just cannot underestimate his influence. I mean, because to me, he was the, the second guy after Van Halen. You know, no one could play like Van Halen. And suddenly there was Randy Rhodes. It's like, oh, there's another, you know, and it, it was, I remember as a kid, just really feeling that that was a big moment for guitar playing Randy Rhodes coming into the, the spotlight and different than Eddie, you know, definitely had a little bit more of the classical flavor going at times and just man, but what a shredder. And I really think Eddie was a big influence on, on Randy, because if you listen to Randy pre 
Ozzy, you know, when he played with Quiet Riot. I mean, he could definitely play. He played really well, but something happened in between those two Quiet Riot Japanese release albums and the Ozzy record. I mean, his his playing just you know excelled leaps and bounds in my my opinion but let's go over to ed ed ferguson do we have audio with you can you hear us yeah i hear you okay we had ed earlier having some got the notebook some audio problem cool cool ed how are you man you're in kentucky right that's right right in the middle in lexington yes and i don't know if people know this story but the first time i kind of got to know you correct me if i'm wrong was there was a we had a frankie benelli interview on yeah, our live show yeah. 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 Maybe like 10 years ago, I'm thinking at this point. And we somehow the long story short, the people at the studio wiped the file afterwards. So there was like maybe 30 people listening to this show live. And, you know, then we were going to send it out as a podcast and somehow the file was wiped and we sent it to you to try to help see if you could recover the file and and we we couldn't but we definitely appreciate that i I was able to recover like thousands of little clips from commercials and such but nothing from that show yeah it's weird it's weird and and on that show uh frankie benelli spoke a long time about his friendship with with randy Rhodes. so coincidentally um but anyways ed thank you for your support on patreon and for listening for all these years let's talk about this record blizzard of oz i know you're a long time metal fan uh are you a big fan of this record did you vote for the record out of the four records that we had up uh no i voted for ride the lightning i hope okay. we'll do that one someday yeah we have to because that's one of my favorite records of all time man oh me too it's at the top of the list um this would have been my second choice. I do love Ozzy, and yeah, I love I can see him. the first four records. Um, I, I listen to every one of those records to this day. Yeah, well, we could have a discussion about all these records. I, I will give a shout out to The Ultimate Sin. Ed, guys, always gets onto the Zoom, and he has the album set up behind him. So I, right behind Ed on Zoom, I'm looking at Blizzard of Oz, Diary of a Madman, Bark the Moon, and uh, The Ultimate Sin. The Ultimate Sin record, it always bums me out when I hear Ozzy kind of trash it because I feel like us fans love it. And it's one of his best selling albums too. So I I hate, I hate when he kind of uh, disses it, but yeah, it's got Jakey Lee playing. So it's hard hard for it not to be good with the guitars like that. Absolutely. But let's talk about Blizzard of Oz because that's what we're talking about today. Do you remember hearing the record for the first time? No, no. Like the other two records we did, I was 10 years old when this came out. Right. Okay. And so I wasn't really, you know, collecting music. Um, and because of my kind of uh, sanitized life with family and church and not being allowed to listen to uh, rock music, um, I didn't learn about it until I started to grow up more like 13. I think my first memory. Still, that's pretty young, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's still pretty young. That's right. My first memory was seeing Bark at the Moon on MTV at a friend's house. But I knew all about Ozzy because, you know, growing up in that uh, atmosphere that I did, going to a Christian church that had the guys that would come over and do uh, rock music seminars and scare our parents to death so they'd take away our music and all of that. Right, right. You know, I was in junior high school at the time, you know, uh, probably starting with fifth grade on in the sixth and seventh grade. All of his kids had tons of rumors about all the rock stars, you know. And I was hearing about Ozzy all the time because he did the thing where he bit the head off the bat. Yes. And, yep. You know, those rumors, of course, when you're kids, you know, they develop into strange things. And I, I, I guess I probably thought that was something he did on a regular basis. And uh, so, and, and of course I would also see the album covers when I'd go to the mall and I'm at the record store looking through things. So I knew all about him. Um, and then and you know, did they talk old. about him in church? Like, did they preach against, you know, don't let your kids listen to this guy or was uh, no, he singled one out? Of the funny things about those rock music seminars is they would basically spend all their time on past music, like music from the 70s. And they'd be talking about Rush and Zeppelin and ACDC and Kiss and, you know, some things that we were listening to. But, um, of course, by this time, we're listening to Van Halen, of course, Kiss still. And 
they weren't on the cutting edge and they never brought that stuff up um but yeah because of Ozzy's, you know biting the head off the bat you heard about him everywhere and uh so there was a yeah that was a funny time but as i grew up um and started collecting music um you know i'm sure that at some point i probably mowed the yard to make my allowance money and went to the mall and you know bought these uh, different records on cassette back then i was buying everything on cassette and uh, i had i had all four of these records and listened to them all the time i also remember i had um on vhs i had a recording of the ultimate sin concert and there's a, a guitar solo. i had that too man it was so that. good so good smoking you can pull that up on youtube and watch it still and uh so yeah up until um you know i discovered metallica this was what i was listening to along with motley Crue and quiet riot and def leppard and rat and Dokken, you know all those bands Raven. And did you have to listen in secrecy? Like, were your parents against you listening to this stuff? Oh, yeah. I, there was a lot of, it was, like I said before, it's like, it was like bringing drugs into the house. I had to, I had to <laughs> do everything very secretly. And and as if we ever do some other records, like uh, Balls to the Wall and things like that, I've got little stories to tell about how I snuck a listen to that stuff. And yeah, it, 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 was a, it was a funny world. I hated it, of course, but it also added a whole nother element of excitement to it because it was right. So right. You know? So yeah, anything totally. drugs and heavy metal, man, if, if, <laughs> if you got the chance to taste it, boy, that was uh, some sweet stuff. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because, you know, we, we've said this before on the podcast, but uh, in some ways I feel like, you know, music has been devalued because you can go on Spotify and find not everything, but just about anything. You can go on Apple music or YouTube and there it all is where it's back in the day, you know, for me, I always tell the story. Well, I you, you had to use my, my paper route money and, and ride my bike 10 miles, you know, to the strip mall to, and you know, there was so much effort in getting yeah. them music. Yeah. I will say my, my parents, although they were, my dad was definitely um, somewhat conservative. My mom, some somewhat conservative, but they, they, they kind of let it go. They, they didn't, they didn't love Ozzy, but they didn't, I don't think they felt like it was a danger for me to listen to it, but it's, so it's interesting to hear that to you add this level that, you know, not only was it not right there and readily available like on Spotify to you, but you also had to kind of sneak it. It was, it had to be on the down low. I, I, I love that. that. And that, that in itself made it more valuable. It sure did. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, and the album itself is great. You know, I love records from this time, this era, because, uh, and this album is a good example of how, you know, this is technically more on the pop metal side, but it still kind of has a, a dark feel to it, which a lot of records did back then. You know, everything up until, I always feel like once Madonna came out, all, all music changed. Everything went super poppy and dancey sounding. But before that, all these bands, hard rock and metal bands kind of had a, you know, a dark feeling to their music. And um, this record, you know, is a good kind of pop metal record, but still has its feet in the heavy metal world. And um, man, Randy Rhodes solos are awesome. I love B, you know, that little tune that he wrote for his mom. Sure. Uh, that's, that's a song I've been learning how to play on the, the guitar the last few years that I really enjoy. Um, I like No Bone Movies, but I feel like that song's a bit out of place. Uh, you all may disagree, but I kind of feel like that You Looking At Me would have been a better track that's interesting let's bring let's bring seth back in seth because you had a in the comment section mentioned no bone movies and i like what you say can you can you tell the listeners how you feel about that song yeah um to me it sounds like a studio outtake like it's totally fun it's just like here's one riff and we're going to take it all the way through the song um kind of a bluesy uh, rock and roll riff yeah yeah but but i agree with that it it I'm not sure it holds together with the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of a a strange little uh, break from, you know, all that virtuosity and Mr. Crowley and then going on into the the classical feelings of revelation, mother earth. And I mean, I never thought of it like that, but now that you guys are, are pointing that out, I can, I can see that, but I never really thought of that. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. 
And, and also, Mark, you mentioned some of the bonus material. Um, the uh, I, I yes. recently signed up for Apple Music, and I've been listening to some of those live tracks on what's, I guess, probably a deluxe edition of this. And, uh, man, that, those have been great to listen to. They're really well-produced, and, and Randy Rhodes sounds like he's on fire on whatever night they were recording that stuff. Yeah, I, on the Goodbye to Romance one, where they, they basically take off the drums and bass, which... I listened to that today, yeah. Which, you know, you can talk about, well, there was such issues with Lee and, and, and Bob suing... Sharon and Ozzy for so many years over and over again. I always wonder, did they just kind of do that just to show, hey, we didn't need these guys on this song. Anyways, it's still awesome without them. But who knows? That's just speculation on my point uh, part. But well, what I will say is you hear things on that version of it that you that are probably there on the other version, but are kind of just lost in the mix. And it, it is so there's some real cool sounds from the guitar that kind of creep through that I just don't notice on that other bass drums version of, of that song. So, so yeah, so it's definitely worth a listen. Definitely the, uh, the bonus material. I, I just, I feel like sometimes these deluxe editions and, and stuff that, that they, they kill the vibe of the original records from the seventies and eighties, when you start adding on songs that, you know, were probably not on the album for a reason in in the first place. But yeah, but so I, I do feel it's always important for listeners to listen to that original cut of the record and the original tracks of the record to get a feel for how it was supposed to sound artistically from start to finish. Um, yeah. So metal Dan back to you. Any other further thoughts before we uh, hang it up here? We got about two minutes left on this zoom call. Just a quick one. Yeah, in the book, Rudy asks Randy, what's this No Bones movie uh, song about? What do you mean by that? And Randy kind of laughed and and tells him what, what that is. That's an Aussie reference. I have a question. Do you remember where you were when Randy died? Yes, I do. I was in the seventh grade. I was in Miss Odbert's class. I lived in a town called Mequon, Wisconsin. And I remember that Ozzy was all the rage at the middle school, Lakeshore Middle School, it was called. And uh, I had moved there recently from New Jersey. So I was kind of a little bit of a fish out of water. But, you know, New York, everyone's like, oh, it's just so rock and roll, so great. And I, I used to listen to WNEW and the big rock stations, with, like when I was in sixth grade in, in New York. But when I got to the Midwest, programming was different. And, and like I said, they were playing half the songs or more off this record, which they were not doing in New York. And later, even in that, if I remember from the Rudy book, I mean, the Midwest was a stronghold for Ozzy back in those days. And I, I just feel like he was flourishing there. And that was probably a lot to do with the radio stations in smaller markets like Milwaukee embracing the, the album. But we are we're going to have to wrap it guys. Uh, we're yeah. down to the last 30 seconds, but I appreciate your support and everything you do for, for me on Patreon. Let's do another one of these. We got to get ride the lightning in there for sure. Yes. Guys have a great evening. Thank you. Take care. Right on. See you friends. See you, man. See you guys. All right. That's going to do it. Thank you to the patrons who joined me on this show. Thank you to all the patrons who support me on Talking Metal. Come on, guys. There's someone out there somewhere who can do five five bucks a month, man. Come on. Join us. We'd love to have you. We need the support. We're going for 100 patrons. That's our goal. We're at 51. But uh, I did want to say that this Tuesday will be a rare Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, where I don't put up a new episode of Talking Metal. I am moving this weekend. I'm, my computer is going to be ripped apart. Uh, I'm completely stressed out over it. So that's that. There will be no episode of Talking Metal next week, a rare Tuesday without a new episode. I do hope to be back the week after that. Going strong for you guys. Okay, so... Take care of yourself, and I'll miss you next week. But don't worry, I will be back. Thank you.